Wasn't that a blessing? I want to also appreciate Miss Donna playing that song, As a Deer. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You're my friend, and you are my brother, even though you are a king. I love you more than any other, so much more than anything. I want you more than gold or silver, only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye. It's a good song too, isn't it? Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of Genesis chapter 37? I'll wait till you get there, and uh, I want to share a couple of things with you before I start the message this morning. But Genesis chapter 37, you'll find the text and the message. I say a message because this morning and probably the last few weeks, last month, you've not gotten sermons. If you've attended this church, you've been in the mess of the services, you've not gotten sermons the last couple of months. Um, I believe they're messages. You say, well, Pastor, why? Because I want you to know something. Sermons are usually preached to somebody. And I just want y'all to know this morning, I don't have it in me to preach to y'all this morning. I didn't have it in me last week to preach to y'all. I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm getting help myself. You hear me? See, some people have this idea that I'm preaching to people. No, I'm not preaching to I don't have it in me to preach to anybody. Because right now I'm in a place in my life, I just need help myself. <laughs> That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. So I'm not your preacher this morning. I'm just simply another fellow Christian with you that I'm getting some help. And I just want to share that same help with you. So don't miss it. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. I want to make sure everybody's clear on that. I don't have it in me to preach to anybody this morning. I didn't have it in me last week to preach to anybody. Everything that's come from behind this pulpit the last few weeks has just been because I've needed the help. That's it. That's it. That's it. I've needed the help. And you know what? If I need the help, I have a real sneaky suspicion you need it too. And I'm going to tell you something right now. A lot of times we don't like what goes into our life for us to get to a place where we realize we need help. We don't like it. I don't like it. I wouldn't choose it. I can promise you that. But I've learned some things in these last few weeks. I've learned some things that I learned a long, long time ago, but I've forgotten. Just going to be honest with you, I've forgotten. And I'm afraid the longer we live, we let some things that's changed our lives not no longer allow it to change our lives and work our life. I think we get to some point in our life where we think, now, Lord, I'm good. I'm spiritual enough. I've, I've got it now, God. I'm at a place in my life where, hey, I've, I've went through some things in my life and those things are not supposed to be anymore. And boy, I wish I could tell you that... We wish we could live a life that way. But you know, we live in a day. We live in a world. We live in a cursed world. We live in a sin-filled world. And so you know what? That's going to affect our life. There's no doubt about it. So I want you to know, I started last week for me. And also this week's for me. You just happen to be an audience. And second, all through probably the next month or so, I'm going to stay in the life of Joseph. You say, why, Pastor? Because his life is very helpful to me right now. Very helpful to me right now. That's where I'm at. That's why I'm doing it. I made a statement weeks ago that there's things sometimes in life that you just can't maybe find an exact example of what you're dealing with in life. And even looking and searching through the scripture. But I've learned this. I was wrong yet again. There's always a principle. There's always a truth. And normally there's always an event in the Bible that is very close to what we all deal with in our lives. Very close. Now one thing I've learned here in the book of Genesis is I've been looking and just out of my own personal help, I've been studying the life of Joseph. And last week I preached on just simply have you had enough. Now, I want to go back. I want to go back. We're going to go back. 
a little earlier in Joseph's life, and to be quite honest, way back in the life of Joseph, and then I'm going to start progressing forward. But I want us to look in Genesis chapter 37, and then through this message, we'll even go to chapter 35. But before we do that, I want to say, when the Lord begins to work, I want all of you to hear me, and hear me well. When the Lord begins to work in someone's life, we never know exactly where that work begins and where that work ends. When God starts to work in someone's life, now stay with me, we do not know where that work will begin, but we also don't know when that work will end. By the way, that work will not end, if, in, if you're long as you're a Christian, that work will not end until you get to glory. He's constantly trying to work in our heart. We never know exactly how it will end either. But a boy, a boy, we're talking about Joseph, a boy. I want you to let this come to life. A boy comes walking across the field to find his brothers. And we follow him through the pages of Scripture. We're talking about Joseph now. We're introduced to this little boy as a little boy, but then really when he comes on the scene, we realize that he has some dreams, and there's this boy walking across the field to check on his brothers. But then we follow him all through the page of Scripture until he becomes one of the most important part of the, of the greatest movements in all of human history. I want you to think about that. Little boy, young boy, walking across the field. He has no idea what's getting ready to befall him. He has no idea that his brothers are talking about him. He has no idea that his brothers are getting ready to, some of them are talking about killing him. He has no idea that he's getting ready to be thrown in a pit and he's getting ready to be sold into slavery. We have no, he has no idea. And if we didn't know the story that God didn't reveal to us, we have no idea. But here's what's amazing to me. When God starts to work in someone's life, how it begins and when that work ends. How amazing it is to me. Now, there are very few people in the Bible that God spends more time highlighting someone's life than Joseph. He gives a lot of detail about Joseph's life. By the way, he had a dysfunctional family. Read it. Dysfunction. Several children from different fathers, different, mother, different, uh, different mothers. Uh, listen, even Judah, as we preached last week, here's what's amazing to me. We don't spend a lot of time on that. But he had a child with his daughter-in-law. Could you imagine what Judah's son felt? You don't talk about stuff like that. But we find it in the Bible. And here's what's amazing to me. God uses Judah for the Savior to come through his tribe. It's amazing. Like I said last week, I don't understand God's ways. His ways are bigger than my ways. I wouldn't choose God's ways. But it's amazing when the Lord places an emphasis on somebody's life and he highlights Joseph's life, goes from, I mean, really from the beginning to the end. It's an amazing, amazing story. But of course, when God highlights someone's life like that, maybe the only other person that he highlights like that is David. But when God highlights and emphasizes a particular person's life to the smallest of details, I want you to know something. We ought to give heed to when God emphasizes something because He does not do anything by chance. So if He places great emphasis on Joseph's life, we should place great emphasis on Joseph's life. So we can learn so many truths from Joseph's life. And I just want to share some that I've learned with you. That's helped me. I've looked for answers. I've looked for direction. I've looked for some help. And I'm thankful. I don't have it all. I don't understand it all. I'm still struggling just like you are. But God has given me some help. I want to share that with you. So let's look in Genesis chapter 37 verse number 1. And the Bible says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Billah and with the sons of Zilpah. 
his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Joseph was a tattletale. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was a son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Now let me just stop just a second there. That is a sin that we need to really emphasize just a moment. I'm going to just tell you this right now. Here's where we know there was dysfunction in the family because the Bible reveals the heart of Jacob that he loved Joseph more than all of his other brothers. By the way, that's wrong. That's wrong. That caused a lot of problems in this family because one was loved more than the others. By the way, if you're a parent, I know if you have other children, you know what I'm talking about here. There shouldn't be really a struggle with you loving one child of the other. There is always a difference in your children, but you love them the same in different ways. You should be fair. I've heard of stories of where maybe just because of someone uh, is not their biological child that they were not treated fairly. I say that's wrong. I say that if your child, maybe one is a little stronger than the other, maybe one is a little more stronger willed than the other. By the way, the Bible says one of the reasons why this all caused jealousy and envy in the heart of these boys is because they knew their daddy loved Joseph more than all of them. That is wrong. There's a great principle to take advantage of right there in all of our lives. Right there. Look at verse number 4. And the Bible says that when his brethren saw that their father loved him more. Now we find the reason. We find the reason because of the father's sin. Loving one child more than the other. The Bible very clearly tells us why his brethren did not like him. Notice what the Bible said. They hated him. That's strong language. They hated him. Wasn't Joseph's fault. It was the father's fault. He loved Joseph more and created this envy. And see, let me just say, the Bible is so beautiful because I know everything is spiritual, but everything's practical too. I mean, that gets right down to the nitty gritty. That's where we live. That's the kind of stuff we struggle with. Well, so-and-so loves so-and-so more than me. Well, what's it going to cause? Well, the Bible tells you what it's going to cause. It's going to cause problems in your family. It's going to cause problems in your friendships. It's going to cause problems in your life. Very practical stuff. So they hated him. Why? Because his father loved him more and they knew it. And could not speak peaceably. In other words, they couldn't say a kind word to him because they couldn't stand him. Now this is interesting to me. This is very interesting to me because this just gets right down to where we live. And I'm talking about principles and truths and things that can help all of us. And there's nothing more powerful than the Bible. But as we look at Joseph's life, our story really begins, and this is what I want to emphasize it begins much earlier than this joseph had a childhood now we know a little bit about his childhood jacob his father was an old man he had benjamin and joseph by one wife of whom he loved that was his prized wife and because he was able to bear children with this woman he loved those two children the most the boys knew it so we we, we were introduced uh, about this Joseph, and, and by the way, because his father loved him more, we know the story, if you know anything about the Word of God, you know that Joseph, his brothers hated him, his brothers sold him into slavery, into Egyptian bondage, and while he was there, Joseph suffered greatly, and by the way, none of it was his fault. He suffered because of the decisions of other people and the sins of other people. But that was Joseph's lot. Do you think Joseph chose that? No, God chose that for him. I don't understand it. I wish it wasn't true for Joseph. But Joseph had no way of getting out of it. This is what God chose for him. So we know that he suffered greatly in Egypt. He suffered at his brothers. He suffered at Potiphar's house. He suffered in prison. And lo and behold, what's amazing to me, as he was in prison, he suffered at the hands of the men that he 
interpreted the dreams for it because they forgot him. He forgot him. He was living great and fine. He was back restored to his position. But yet, there Joseph is, rotten in prison. And so could you imagine, he suffered greatly because of his brother's sin. He suffered greatly because of the choices of others. But then amazing to me is out of that prison, Pharaoh found him and he became the most powerful man of the then known world. What a happy ending to a sad story. But I can guarantee if you'd have asked Joseph when he was rotten in that prison, I doubt he could see the end. I doubt he could see, by the way, he wasn't looking for the end. He was just trying to get through and fight through the day. But when Joseph was a young man, and here's what I want to spend some time on this morning, really the whole crutch of the message, and along with what Sarah wrote on that. She made a little statement in that post. She said, God has prepared me. See, when Joseph was a young man, God dealt with him in such a way to place him in some positions that he would have to have because God was, God was preparing him so he could endure really the hard stuff that he was going to deal with later in life. Now stay with me. See, God put something in Joseph's heart, even as a young child, as a young boy. I'm, I'm, we're going to go back to chapter 35 and we're going to look at it. But see, here's what I want to encourage you. God's always at work. What you might think are mistakes. What you might think that you're just living life and you have no idea about the big picture down the road. I want you to know something. There is a God in heaven that is preparing things even for you. God put something in his heart that he could hold on to in the darkest hours of his life. God put something in his heart. He built something out of this young man, Joseph. Because by the way, he chose this life for Joseph. Joseph did not choose this life. God chose it for him. God built something into his character that made him a giant of a man. Joseph. God prepared Joseph, not only by what he revealed to him through his dreams, but also by what he allowed him to go through as a young man. And we're going to look at these things. Now, I want you to notice, consider carefully some things that Joseph went through as a young man and how it strengthened Joseph. And here's the message. Strength out of sorrow. Strength out of sorrow. I'm working. I, I, there was a, a thought that would come to me the other day. I listened to a message and I've never heard any of the likes of it. I've never heard the likes of it. And I'm going to preach that message in my own way. I got the thought from another preacher, but I've never heard it in my life. You have to attend the school of darkness so you can teach in light. You have to attend in the school of darkness so you can teach in light. That's a powerful thing. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to give that in the next few, maybe the next month or so. Because God's really worked in my heart. But I want you to notice this morning, God had something special for Joseph's life. He didn't think it was special. It didn't feel special. But God was trying to bring strength out of sorrow in this man's life. So quickly, Abraham had a son whose name was Isaac. Now we're going back. Abraham, the father of Israel, he had a son named Isaac. It was the promised seed. Isaac had two sons. We know Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the one that stole the birthright, but he was the promised seed. Jacob. This is Joseph's father. So Joseph's great-grandfather was Abraham, the father of Israel. What a lineage Joseph had. And here's what's amazing. Isaac was still alive. When Joseph was still alive. So Joseph, his grandfather, Isaac, great, his grandfather Isaac was still alive when Joseph was born. So his great grandfather was Abraham. Joseph's grandfather was Isaac. He was still alive. Abraham and Sarah, which was Joseph's father. Joseph's father was Jacob. Now, I'm wanting you to get the lineage. We have Abraham, the father of Israel. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. The promised seed came through Jacob, the supplanter. 
He had all of these boys, but Joseph was his son. And it was his most loved, prized son. So I want you to understand, his grandfather was still alive when Joseph was born. As a young man, Joseph, that we're reading about in this story, had things take place in his life that shaped his character. Now I want every young man to listen to me just a moment. You're not going to be a great man because you're on the mountaintop. All you mamas trying to shield your boys from every little hurt, every little heartache, you're doing them a great disservice because God wants to make them a man in the dark. That's where men become men in darkness. In the school of the valley. That's when we really realize how much we need God, but how much we know He's there. We've done a great disservice to all these young men today. We're trying to get them out of everything. We don't want them to go through any toughness. We don't want them to go through any darkness. We don't want them to go through any valley. But see, that's God's way. Joseph, God prepared for him in a very young way. By the way, before he was ever dealt with these severe blows of his brothers wanting to kill him, sell him to the slavery, go to Potiphar's house, be alive there, thrown in prison, everything he endured through as a man, God had already helped him as a young man to that all that he was going to deal with, God used sorrow to build him even as a young man to be able to endure the things he was going to endure as a man. Let me ask you all a question. Why does God allow sorrowful things to happen to us? That's the question of the ages, isn't it? Why does God allow things that break our heart to happen to us? What is He doing in our lives by allowing such things? He can stop it. Could He not stop it? The very God of heaven that created everything that we know in six days. I mean, listen to me. He can stop it. So why? Dealing with sorrow is one of the most difficult things in the world. And we've all had to deal with it. Most of the time when someone suffers, people have the idea that he's suffering because of some terrible thing that that person has done. But we know that that's not always true. What did I, we ask that question all the time, but what did I do to deserve this? Nothing. Look at me. Nothing. Sometimes you didn't, you didn't do anything to deserve it. Sometimes it just happens because we're in a sin-cursed world and there's no answer to that question. What did you do? But by the way, we also know that not only we find in the Bible that sometimes suffering does come because of sin and because of somebody else's sin or because of our own sin and our own choices. We know that suffering comes from that. But however, all sorrow is not because of our disobedience to God or somebody else's disobedience to God. Not all sorrow comes from those two things. Now, a lot of times it comes from the, the disobedience of me or the disobedience of somebody else because our lives affect others. And we know some of us are going to suffer because of that. Joseph was suffering because of the sins of his brother. Sins of his father. But however, we all know that sorrow, not all sorrow, is not because of our disobedience to God. Some of us are going to just simply suffer because we're a part of this human race. And we're all dying people. It's going to happen. Some sorrow is allowed to come in our lives so that our hearts will be broken. And by the way, be ashamed that you went through some type of sorrow and not allowed it to break your heart. And to have compassion upon other people and live for others. You know, we got people in this church, they've, they've experienced, I'm going to talk about this today, but we have people in our church that has experienced death as children as, and their own children and death of people that they love. And there are people in this church that know the only way that they can get through that is they know that God has broke them in such a way that they have a compassion for others and they're trying to help others. That's, what God, that's how God does it. But let me just say this, some sorrow is absolutely without explanation. <laughs> I don't think there's any way to explain all suffering. But whatever the reason, the Lord wants to use sufferings to bring us to himself. Get a hold of that. No matter what it is, what kind of suffering, no matter what your heart has been broken, no matter what you have experienced, 
I want you to know this. It doesn't matter what it is, whose fault it is. I can promise you this. God always wants to bring you closer to Him. Why do I have problems? Why do you have problems? Why do I have sorrow? Let me help you see that you can put faith in the Lord in the hour of sorrow because God has a plan and a purpose for it. Now, we don't like that. We like to write our own plans. We like to write our own stories. We like to make our own decisions. But sometimes, God, we don't have any choice in some of the decisions we make. So we've really got to go back to chapter 35. And I want, I want to show this to you. I want you to look in chapter 35. And I want you to look back at, as, as Joseph as a little boy. Because we're talking about the man that God put in this, had this plan. But even as early as a boy, and there were things in Joseph's life that God allowed to happen to help mold this man and the great giant of a man that he was. In verse number 8, you'll notice something in chapter 35. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called whatever that name is. I'll let you have a shot at that one. Yes, thank you. But here's the key. Y'all ever had somebody special in your life, kind of like a grandma? She wasn't a grandma, but she just had such an important, special part of your life as a child. This was that kind of woman. Deborah was that kind of woman. She helped raise Joseph. She was a very special, like grandma-like woman to Joseph. And as a young boy, let me just say this. God let her die. Then I want you to notice chapter 35 was a tough hit for Joseph. Because I want you to look over in verse number 19. Stay with me now. He's just a boy. But in verse number 19, we're going to find somebody even more, something even closer to his heart. God allowed it to happen in verse number 19. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which was Bethlehem. Now wait just a second. This was not only Deborah, his nurse, like a grandma figure, now his own mother. Listen to me now. His own mother died. Now can I say to all of you, your mother has passed. For whatever reason, I want you to know I can't sympathize with you. I can sympathize for you. I can sympathize with you. My mother is still alive. She happens to be sick right now at the moment. She's at home. She's coughing. Wasn't able to be here today. But I know what it means to know that my mother's still on earth. But I'm going to be honest with you. I was even talking to Laura the other day. I can't even imagine if something ever happens to my mother and, my, and the Lord takes her home. What great sorrow that would cause in my heart. What emptiness that would cause in my heart. What absolute sorrow would cause in my heart. I would feel like for the first time I didn't have a mother on this earth. And to deal with that as a 48 year old man is one thing. But to deal with it as a young person is totally different. And God allowed Isaac to experience his mother pass at a very young age. And why did God allow that? He could have held off a little bit longer. But see God had a plan. We find that Deborah died. Then we find that his mother died. But then I want you to notice the, key, the hits keep coming in chapter 35. For Joseph, the hits keep coming. The belly punches keep coming. I want you to notice now we find in verse 29 at the end of the chapter. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died. Now wait a minute. Isaac was Joseph's grandpa. I was able to know both of my grandfathers. And they were both sad days in my life. When both of my grandfathers passed away. But I was a man. I couldn't imagine dealing with that as a boy. So why did God allow this hurt, this sorrow in Joseph's life as a young boy? Because he was trying to absolutely, absolutely create and mold a young man to become a great giant for him to endure things much worse than that when he got older. See, God has a plan. Joseph was certainly deeply affected by his mother's death. He was affected by his grandma's death, what he would consider a grandma in Deborah. And certainly he was affected by his grandfather's death. All of us have been affected by people that we love when they've gone on to heaven. 
Bible says that Jacob's father Isaac died. Isaac was Joseph's grandfather. So in chapter 35, he lost Deborah, he lost his mom, and he lost his grandpa. Here's a young boy, he has no idea what he's getting ready to face in life, but God does. Why would a young man like Joseph suffer through the death of all these people so dear to him at one time? Why did God allow it? Oh, I'll tell you what, God don't care. No, He cares. He cares. That's why. He has a plan. It's just not our plan. It's not what we like. What was God doing in allowing such sorrow to come under this young man, this young boy, Joseph's life? See, you may be suffering from heartache in your home. You might be suffering heartache at your work. You might be suffering heartache because of somebody else. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I know I think about this dear family that's setting up there moment by moment, uh, second by second. In a lot of these rooms, they don't even have a place to lay down. And Sarah's sitting there by the side of her son. And she realizes that more than likely her boy is not going to be the same boy. But I can promise you this. God's going to make him exactly who God wants him to be. See, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where when we really find out is our faith in God. Do we really trust that God has a plan? Because it don't look like He has a plan. It just looks like a bunch of sorrow. It looks like a bunch of hard, bad decisions. It just looks like a bunch of sin and hurt. But all of us have had sorrow that God is allowing to come into our lives. So what can we gain from it? Why does God allow our hearts to be broken? What can we gain from it? God wants to speak to us and deal with us. That's the most powerful thing in the world when God gets our attention. See, the Lord opens our hearts through sorrow, trouble, and suffering. He doesn't do it any other way. Can I help everybody here? You might have suffered something in your past. You might even have suffered a death of a loved one. Let me just say this. Would you let that define you? Not in the wrong way, but in, I can't help but think this. We have a dear lady in our church and, and, and a dear man in our church and all of her children went on to heaven. Every one of them. I thought, dear God, how have they not become bitter? I'm going to tell you why I've seen the secret. They do more things for people around here than you shake a stick at. If, there's, if I go to see somebody, there's food already there by them. Come on now. See, some people want to just sit and sulk and say, oh, it's awful. It's been unfair. People in my life, listen to me. No, that's not why God allowed that to happen in your life. He's allowed to open your heart to break it. So you can love more. You can forgive more. You can understand more. Not to be bitter more. And that is our tendency is we want to get bitter. And we want to get mad at God. And we want to say this isn't fair. But see God is allowing those things in our hearts to break our hearts so it can get bigger. See the strength that comes out of sorrow. Can I just say quickly as we look at this quickly. The strength that come out of sorrow. I'm going to tell you what it caused Joseph to do. It made him look and have a proper emphasis. And a proper view of his life. Think about it now. Because of his sorrow. Because God will use him to speak to us. And, and speak to him. He used death in his life. Joseph had an occasion as a young man to place the proper emphasis on life to consider, here it is now, the preciousness and the value of it. You ain't got but one. I doubt 
very seriously that any of us that will attend anyone's funeral and not think about how precious life is, you're all but dead already. You go to a funeral home and you don't think about the preciousness of your life. Death reminds us how precious and valuable life is. You ain't got but one. You might as well live. You might as well make it count. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I don't even like that saying right now. In my flesh. Did you know what we like to do? We like to think of ourselves. But when do I get some pleasure? When do I get to do some things? See, I want y'all to know something. I have given my whole entire adult life serving other people. My whole adult life. You hear me? My whole adult life. Has been given. For others. And I wish I could say that your pastor. Was always spiritually minded in that. When am I going to get mine? See. See, God's working in my heart. See. What is life? When life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. We believe that. Me too. But sometimes in my flesh, I don't like it. And there's the great struggle, right? Are you excited about living? Are you? By the way, that's why fear, our world has been crippled by fear. Crippled. People ain't even living anymore. Scared to death. I say to all of you, live! Live! You ain't got but one of them. Just one. And every time I conduct a funeral, every time that I go beside the bedside, I think of the Gillies tonight. Today, they're sitting there beside the bed of their child that they didn't even know was going to make it. And I'm going to be honest, I've been in their presence many times. I can promise you this, it's drawn them all closer to each other, but it's also drawn them closer to the Lord. What does it? Sorrow. See, we see that God put something in this young man that helped him to carry on when things were tough, see. When he was young, he had to deal with some things. And so they get tougher. Can I help every younger man just here a minute? It gets tougher. Can I only say that strength that came out of sorrow caused Joseph to place the proper emphasis on his life. But I want to say this. I believe it caused him to place a proper emphasis on the people that he loved. See, when someone we love dies or we cannot be with them anymore. Cannot see them anymore. We cannot talk to them anymore. Maybe that's not because of death. That might be because someone's told you you not to talk anymore. Maybe it's someone that you love because of geographical location. You're not able to talk like you want to talk or be with that person anymore that you want to be with. I want you to know, but in, in direct Relation here, it's because it was because he had family members that died and he was not going to be able to see them anymore. And it caused great sorrow. When Deborah died, Joseph had the opportunity to think about loved ones. Here's a dear precious woman that God used in my life, helped take care of me. I'm sure that he struggled with that. But he also realized, hey, I've got other people in my life that love me and I love them. And when his own mother died... Could you imagine, many of you, your mother has already went to heaven and you realize, but look, if all you ever want to do is think about her death, you've got life. 
Why would you allow her death to affect the rest of your life? Let God use it in your heart so you can live greater and more lovingly and with more hope. Because we're going to get to see Him again, right? When his grandpa died, he had an opportunity to think about, man, I love my grandpa. But you know what? My grandpa's in heaven now, but I still have a grandma. I still have a mom and a dad. I still have a sister. I still have a brother-in-law. I still have nephews. I still have a son. I still have a daughter. I still have a wife. I still have friends. I still have Christian brothers and sisters. And so it ought to help me to place an emphasis on how in the rest of my life to love the people that I love the most. Some of you... All, and especially some of you younger folks getting ready to get married. Let me just say to y'all, it is the biggest struggle you'll ever be involved in your life. And I've done told y'all this, I ain't marrying people anymore at will. I'll tell you right now, they're going to go through some, I mean, if they're going to get me to marry. Now they can go to the just for peace, but if they're going to get me to marry them, I ain't marrying anybody that I don't have peace about marrying. Promise you. And it ain't no... Joke, I'm not being ugly to anybody. I'm just telling you right now. If old Marky boy ain't got peace about it, old Marky boy ain't marrying him. And that ain't a threat. I'm just telling you. I know what it takes. I know what it means. I know what it means when you say that I'm getting ready to love this person till death do us part. That means your heart's going to get ripped out. That means people's going to fail you. That means you're going to struggle with things. And love ain't something easy to run from. We're to love like God loves. He loves us absolutely without fail. So we ought to love our family. God can speak to us through sorrow to place the proper emphasis on our loved ones and people we love. We will never be on this earth forever. So if you intend to do anything for your family members and the people you love, you better get to doing it. You're going to say, man, I wish I would have. Can I say... The strength that come out of sorrow caused Joseph to place the proper emphasis on his life, also on his loved ones, people that he loved. But can I say this and I close? The strength that came out of the sorrow caused Joseph to place the proper emphasis on the Lord. Here's what's amazing. Psalm 27 says, though my mother and my father forsake me. Now look, my mom and dad ain't never going to forsake me. I mean, look, every morning for years... You know what I did with my phone? Every morning for years, my mama, every Sunday before I preach. I'm telling y'all right now, it's every Sunday. It's every Sunday. Y'all want to hear it? Every Sunday. This is what I wake up to on Sunday before I go and preach. Every Sunday. I don't know, for what, 26 years? Before sales, it was a call. It was on my answer machine. Every Sunday, this is what I, I get... What a pretty morning. Just thinking of how the Lord is more precious to me every day. Well, keep holding on to Him. I love you much. Prayers for you and all at TBC today. A church with a big heart. It's every Sunday. For 20 some years, every Sunday. That's my mom. And the Bible says in Psalm 27, if my mother and my father forsake me, look at me, my mother and father would never forsake me. I know that. But just to put a double tap on that, God says even if they do, here's what he said, I'll be there, Mark. Right there's where y'all shout. Because see, no matter what I go through, there might be a day my mama might be in heaven and she might allow, God might allow her to go home and there might be a day my dad's no longer allowed. There might be another day when anyone else around me in my life loves me and helps me. They might not be there. But I want you to know something. When sorrow comes, I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for family. And I'm thankful for a church family. But I want you all to know something right now. There are times in our lives the only one that can help us and sustain us is the Lord. What's taught me that? Sorrow. And by the way, I'm still enrolled in school. 
I'm still in the class. Where sorrow produces strength. I want all of y'all to know something. Your pastor, your friend, brother Mark, I'm going to be all right. I know some of you are concerned, but look at me now. I'm going to be all right. I believe right now God is working in my heart in a very special way. And I wish it would not have been in a way that he chose. But I realize this. Strength comes from sorrow. Now what about you? We ought to quit feeling sorry for people that's just going through something. We ought to ask God to do his work in their heart while they go through that sorrow. Because always strength comes from that. Let's stand to our feet. head bowed and eyes closed this morning, can I ask you? I know it's normal, it's very intuitive for us to ask God why. But maybe we need to stop asking it in the tone that we ask it and say, well, I just don't know why God allowed, how about we start asking like this, God, why did you allow that? See, it's not bad asking. I think it's just the tone in which we ask. Well, God, I don't know why you've done this. I don't know why you've allowed this. Why don't we start changing our attitude towards that, our spirit about it, and say, God, why did you allow this? Let him work in your heart. Isn't that what it's about? If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, I want you to know He loves you. He died for you. He raised from the dead for you. And He'll save you today if you'll repent of your sins and by faith trust Him as your personal Savior. Maybe you're going through something right now and you don't understand why. God will help you. But I do believe he prepares you for things. But here's what's amazing. Joseph, even though God was preparing him through all those things, Joseph had to respond to him right. Could you imagine him getting bitter because his mother had passed? Him getting bitter because his grandpa passed? Could you imagine if he got bitter because Deborah passed? Then I'll tell you right now, he'd have never made it through the prison. See? What I'm trying to say is I'm afraid that we have a really weak form of Christianity today. That the smallest of things gets us off track. God help us. With head bowed and eyes closed, can I ask, how many of you know the Lord has spoken to you about something today? You know that he has. Would you raise your hand? You know that he has. Well, would you ask God to help you with it? Look, this thing's real. (laughs) There's a great big God working in the smallest of minute details. And sometimes I don't like them. We must ask him to help us. They're going to begin to play. Maybe you're here. You need to come to this altar. Would you come? Find a place to pray. Make your altar, make your pew a place to pray.
pray with little Abby here. here in just a second but let me just say ladies please get the tickets in the back uh, they'll be available in the back and then also do not brother don's gonna be up in the back as well make sure you get the door hangers and sign up for your streets and uh, that will be so very helpful let's get out and just take a walk it's cooling down in the evenings and uh, that'll be a good little uh, project for all of us and so let's do our very best to get those door hangers out amen god bless you let's pray and we'll, we'll close morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your goodness, your grace. Lord, we thank you for the life of Joseph. Lord, I'm sure that he was not aware of while he was going through all of those things that his life would have such an impact on others. But Lord, as we stand on this side of it, Lord, as much detail and as much that you revealed to us in Joseph's life, how powerful it is. And Lord, I just want to again thank you personally in a way that You use your word to deal with even the smallest and the minute details. And so again, we thank you for allowing the book to be a living book. And Lord, I pray you'll help us all to take what what you want us to have in this day and to be obedient to it. Lord, listening to this message today, reading the Bible, we can even sit in here and memorize all this scripture. But Lord, until that becomes real to us, it doesn't do us a a bit of good. And so, Lord, I'm praying that you allow this message not just to have head knowledge, but to become heart knowledge. Affect the heart. Do something about it. I'm, be honest with you, Lord, I'm just tired of hearing words. I'm tired of it. I want to see action, change in our lives. Lord, we know that that's what you want. Lord, you don't want us just to memorize or say, well, I know that verse. Lord, you want us to be that verse. Lord, I'm afraid so many times, even in our circles, we walk around like we're the walking Bible. We know all these scriptures, but Lord, they've not affected us one bit. So I pray you allow this message, this sermon to really hit our hearts. Allow you to do the work that you desire to do in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people say it. Bless you. Have a great day. Remember, ladies in the back, get the door hangers in the back. God bless.